Okay, thank you, Angela and the team for leading us so well in worship. It's, uh, and it's encouraging. Thank you for those who shared as well. Very encouraging to hear from God through each one of us in different ways and uh, to be able to, to get our hopes up in him and to take heart. So encouraging. Welcome if you're joining us this morning uh, here in person. Uh, at 140 Clark Street, or indeed if you're joining us online um, on our Facebook live stream or on YouTube. My name is Mark, I'm one of the leaders here at Christ Central Church, and uh, over the last few weeks and months we've been going through the book of Acts, and we've seen how Christianity began to spread throughout the world um, very quickly, almost exponentially. It's a bit like when we saw a year ago uh, the cases of COVID. We started to hear about things happening and then quickly they were spreading here and there and in other places and then it starts to grow exponentially. And uh, this is a lot more encouraging than that because we see the gospel of Christ spreading around the world as we're reading Acts. And we're, we've got the advantage of looking from the perspective of history 2,000 and odd years later, 2,000 years later, and we can see how uh, billions of people now are following Jesus. Wonderful news. So last week, um, Joe was looking at the start of chapter 3 when Peter and John were going to the temple, and they saw the man who'd been lame from birth, and he had, was sitting outside the temple gate asking for money, begging, and Peter and John said, look, we don't have any money, but what we have we're going to give to you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. And the man got healed and, uh, and went uh, running and leaping, praising God into the temple. So this week we're going to look at what resulted from that healing and how Peter used it to proclaim the gospel to those who were gathered. So we're going to start by reading um, from Acts chapter 3. We'll read from verse 11 through to chapter 4 and verse 4. Um, the words are on the screen here. You maybe have that online as well. If you've got a Bible, you might want to turn to it in your Bibles as well. Here we go. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter heard, saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as though it's by our power or godliness that we've made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One, and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We're witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know was made strong. It's in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in Israel, ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he'd foretold through all his prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus, Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. 
and he, who, anyone who doesn't listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who've spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus' name the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. All right. Well, let me begin by asking you a question about this healing that happened um, earlier on in chapter 3 that we heard about last week. Why did God heal this man at this particular time and, and not before? And now, Joe touched on this question a little last week, but I uh, just want to revisit it for a moment. Why did God heal this man at this time and not before? It's pretty likely, as I think Joe said, that, you know, he's going to have been sitting there day after day, week after week, for many, many years. He was over 40 years old, it said. He'd been lame from birth. This was what he did. People would have walked past. Jesus would have probably walked past and not healed him. So why now? Why at this time? Why this man? And we often have questions like that. In, in some ways, it might not matter to us why that man and why at that time, but it matters to us sometimes about ourselves. It matters to us sometimes about the people that we know and that we love. Why does God heal some people but not others? Why does God heal some people of certain things but, but maybe not the more serious thing that they've got which is more life-threatening? Why does God choose this person, not that person? Why have I not been healed when this person has been healed? And, and actually from what I know about their life, it seems they've not even lived as good a life as I've lived. Uh, they don't follow God as much. They don't come to church as much. Whatever it might be that we're thinking in our mind, why does God not love me as much? Because he's not blessed me with this healing. These can all be things that we struggle with. Do I lack faith in some way? I don't know. The good news is this passage really helps us to answer that question because what we see in this passage is that it's about far more than a healing. It's about far more than a healing. This man getting healed is about a a proclamation of the gospel. And God saves many people. Now the number of believers is 5,000 men, maybe a lot more women, children, who knows? God in this passage has saved many more people than he has healed. God's healed one man. God saves many at this particular time. And that's the bigger picture of what was going on here. Now, the man who gets healed at the temple was obviously well known because, as I said, he'd been sitting there day by day. Maybe many people have walked past him. Maybe they've ignored him. Maybe they've never spoken to him, but they know him. Oh, he's he's the lame man who sits at the temple gate. It's very similar today if you, to today if you live in Fredericton and if you go down to the farmer's market on a Saturday morning. 
I usually go most Saturday mornings. And what you see is that you see the same people week by week. They might be sitting in the same spot. The one, one at this entrance, one at this entrance, one over here. Panhandling, maybe asking for money. Very similar to what this beggar was doing. You may see them. You may never speak to them, but you know them. You know that they're there. You'll know of the guy who stands there on one corner and says, penny for a poem. Because you might walk by him week by week. He might ask you week by week. Maybe you give him some money. Maybe you don't. Everyone would have known this man. But this man was excluded from the mainstream of life. He was excluded from what everyone else was doing. What's everyone else doing? They're going to the temple. They're going, the temple's the place of the presence of God. They're going into the temple to praise and worship God. This man is on the outside. He's on the outside. He's not worshiping God. He can't do what everyone else can do. He can't go into the temple. Yet he was the man who God chose to demonstrate his gospel in. The man who was excluded. The one who was on the outside. The gospel tells us that's where we were. We were on the outside. We were on the outside of God's people. We were helpless. We couldn't do anything to come into God's presence. However much we tried, we just couldn't. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, Remember, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship. He goes on to say, without, without hope and without God in the world. But then he says, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. In the blood of Christ Jesus, we are brought near. And that's what happens to this man. Suddenly, as Peter commands in the name of Jesus, get up and walk, suddenly this man is healed by God. And what does he begin to do? He immediately jumps to his feet. He begins to walk. Where does he go? He goes into the temple courts, the place that he's never been able to go before. God has done a work in his life, and suddenly he's in the temple courts. He's in the presence of God, and he's walking, and he's jumping, and he's praising God. God has done something, and he's worshiping God inside the temple courts. God's taken him from being in the outside, excluded, hopeless, helpless, no hope, to being in his presence, in the temple, full of joy, praising God. We have to see that this healing is not about a man being able to walk again. He's a living embodiment of the gospel. In a sense, he's an object lesson. At Kids Club we, and Ignite, we do object lessons. We have things which illustrate and demonstrate the gospel. That's what we're proclaiming to the kids, and we have something to show, an object lesson. This man is a living object lesson of, of, what, of the gospel. And the crowds start to gather around because they're amazed. He's like, Hey, he's the guy who was on the outside. We know him. And now he's walking. And the crowds gather. And when the crowds gather, Peter is going to use that to proclaim the gospel. That's what God always does. He uses signs and wonders to confirm his gospel, to gather a crowd. That's what happened with Jesus, wasn't it? Jesus was 
preaching, um, but he wasn't just preaching. He was healing the sick. He was delivering people. He was setting people free. He was doing miracles, and a crowd gathered. They gathered because they were like, heal me too, heal me too, do this. And, and Jesus was like, okay, but no, I'm going to preach to you. Well, I don't know if we want you to preach. This is, what, this is what it's about. It's about the gospel. Hebrews 2 and verse 3 and 4 says, This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who had heard him. That's the apostles. God also testified to it by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. That's what salvation happened, is, procl- is proclaimed with. There are signs and wonders and miracles and gifts which come and they confirm the gospel. And God still works that way today. He did it through Jesus. He did it through the apostles, as we've just seen here. And he does it today. He uses the signs and the wonders and the miracles and the healings for his gospel to go out into the world. So we have to realize this one thing. The gifts God gives us are not for us. The healings that God gives us are not primarily for us. And that might be a harder one to get. We're going to be blessed by them, but the reason God gives them to us is that more may be saved, that more may be strengthened, that more may be encouraged. We see it in 1 Corinthians, don't we, chapter 12 and 14, where Paul talks about the gifts of the Spirit, and he says everyone's got different gifts. Well, what are they for? They're to encourage each other. So we've been encouraged this morning. God has given gifts to Gary and to Pamela and to others and to Angela as she's led us in worship and others um, to myself as I'm preaching the word. Well, those gifts aren't for us. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not thinking I'm preaching uh, the gospel. I'm, I'm preaching this morning and that's like really edifying me. Well, it is, but it's hopefully edifying you as well. What Gary brought wasn't just for him. It was for him to be bringing to us to encourage us for the common good. And in the same way, any healing that we might receive isn't primarily for us. It's a sign for others. And we're going to be blessed by it. Of course, we've been healed. We've, we've, we've had a sign from God. We've had a, a touch from God. But if we start thinking it's mainly for us, then we're going to get into this way of thinking, well, why me and not this person? Or why that person and not me? Oh, 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 I can't figure this out. Don't they deserve healing? They seem to be a really good person. They're always seeking God. Why have they not been healed? Well, that's not the point. That's not the point. Our healing isn't for us. It's not intended to be kept to ourselves. It's intended to be a demonstration of the gospel. But some people actually don't even like to tell people about their healing. And there might be good reasons for that. Maybe their minds get filled with all sorts of doubt and insecurity. Well, what if this healing doesn't last? I think God's healed me, but, but maybe I'm going to give it some time. I'm not really going to say anything. I don't like to say things publicly. I don't like to be the center of attention. Maybe it's a coincidence. Um, maybe I would have got better anyway. Um, what will people think of me if I say this? They might think I'm making it up. Maybe it's something that you've been healed of, which is, you know, some of the things that Angela was just talking about this morning. Maybe it's a bit embarrassing, a bit uncomfortable. I don't want to talk about those things. 
We've got all sorts of reasons that we might think I'm going to keep that healing of God to myself. But we have to understand that God brings healing to us so that the gospel is going to be proclaimed, so that people will know about it, so that we can talk about the gospel. In the end, if we're saved, we're all going to receive complete healing from God anyway. Peter talks about that. He says, when the time comes, God will restore everything. When Jesus returns, any sickness and suffering that we've got, that we're struggling with, will be taken away in an instant. It will be gone. The new heavens, the new earth will come. At that time, Revelation says, all sickness and all suffering and all tears and all death and sorrow and mourning, sadness, it's all gone in an instant. It's never coming back. Final, complete healing, restoration, that's a promise. That means that any healing that we get on this earth is just a small taste of what is to come. And in fact, unless Jesus returns in our lifetime, our healing that we receive is only going to be temporary because our bodies are still going to decay and eventually we're going to die. And that's going to happen to all of us. Any healing we receive on earth is just temporary. Lazarus was raised from the dead. But he died again. Jesus was raised from the dead and he defeated death. He did not die again. Jesus says the main thing we can expect on this earth is trouble. But we can take heart. We can take heart because he's overcome the world. That's what he's been encouraging us to do today. Take heart. Get our hopes up. Because it's about more than now. It's about more than now. There's a future when God is going to make everything right. So any healing we receive now is just to point people to the gospel. I shared a house with someone when I was a student at university in the UK. He was a Christian. So I asked him, I didn't know him beforehand, I asked him how he came to faith. And he told me that none of his family had been believers. He was called Steve. None of his family had been believers. His mother had become very sick a few years earlier with leukemia. And she went and she was treated in all the ways the doctors knew how. But nothing worked long term. And her health just deteriorated, deteriorated. It got to the point where the doctors said, you know what, we can't do anything else. We're going to send her home. We'll let her be comfortable. We'll let her family be around her. But really, this is just palliative now. We'll do, you know, we'll do all that we can, but she's going to die. And we have to, we have to, you have to be prepared for that. And at that time when she was at home, Steve told me that two elderly ladies knocked on the door and said, look, we're from the local church. We've heard about your mother. I think actually they spoke to her husband. They said, we've heard about your wife and we've heard that she's very sick. And we just wonder, would you allow us to pray for her? We, we believe God is a God who heals. And we would love to just pray for healing for her. And, and Steve's father wasn't a believer. None of the family were believers. He had no faith that anything was going to happen. But he said, sure, why don't you come in? You can pray. What, what harm is it going to do? We may as well. So they went to the room and they just prayed. And then they left. And Steve said to me, from that day, my mum began to get better. So it wasn't instant. 
wasn't like she sat up and was running about and walking. And, but she began to get better. Day by day, she regained her color. She got some more strength. She started to eat again. After a short while, she went back to the doctors who run tests. And they said, you're completely free of leukemia. They said, we, we've got no explanation for this. There was nothing we could do, but you're completely healed. It was a miracle. God had done a miracle in that woman's life. And Steve said to me, because of that, because of what God had done, because of these two ladies praying and God working sovereignly in healing power in my mom's life, he said, my whole family got saved. My, my mom, my dad, my siblings, myself, my wider family, we all got saved. He said, actually, the neighbors on either side got saved because of what had happened, because they knew my mom, and they saw what God had done. One lady got healed, although one day she was going to die again. She was going to die but many got saved. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. It's pointing towards the ultimate day. Let me encourage you. If you've been healed, tell your story. Let people know. Don't hide it away. It might be an embarrassing story, but maybe we've got to push through that. It might be you've got doubts and fears. I'm not sure what is. Hey, Take a step of faith and say, I believe God's done this in my life. Tell your story. It's God's gift to you, not just for you, but so that you can use it to bring encouragement and the gospel to many. And that's what Peter did here at the temple. He used this man as an object lesson to preach the gospel. Everyone knew the man. They all came running up. This man's holding on to Peter and John. I don't think that's because he's suddenly like, oh, my legs have gone a bit weak now. I think it's probably because he's thinking, oh, my goodness, everyone's running towards me. And what's going to happen now? It might have been a bit overwhelming for him. Peter immediately begins speaking to the crowd. And straight away, he points them away from himself and John and toward Jesus. He says, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Uh, I've got a few reasons why it might. Um, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our power and godliness we've made this man walk? No, 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 no. It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of our fathers has glorified his servant, Jesus. They point towards Jesus straight away. And then Peter begins to preach the gospel to them. And notice he doesn't back away from preaching the full gospel. Let me explain to you what I mean by the full gospel. Because the gospel is good news. That's what the word means, gospel, good news. But in order to proclaim the good news, you have to tell people what the bad news is. Because some people don't realize there's bad news. Right now, we realize there's bad news going on a lot more. It's a good time for the gospel to be preached. But a lot of the time, people think, ah, everything's okay. What, what's the bad news? Jesus wants us to know the bad news as well as the good news. And many of us maybe want to skip this part. We just want to talk about the good news. We, what would we have said if we'd have been Peter and John? If, if this man's been healed, people are coming up to us. We said, oh, yeah, yeah, he's been healed. You can be healed too. We'll pray for you. You can know Jesus. 
You can know life and joy in him. You can have all the blessings that God's got to offer. Come to Jesus. Receive from him. That's part of the gospel, and it is part of the gospel. It's not the full gospel. It's not the full gospel. That's not what Peter said. Yes, God longs to pour his love on us, his mercy, his grace. Jesus' death on the cross has made the way for that to happen. But Peter goes straight in to what we might consider the bad news, things that aren't easy for the crowd to hear. I don't think these next few words from Peter when the crowd gather are seeker-sensitive. I just don't think they are. This is what he says. He talks about Jesus, and then he says, you handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, even though Pilate had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released. You killed the author of life. And then he goes on and says, repent and turn to God so your sins may be wiped out. You think, oh, okay, maybe we need to give Peter a few lessons in how to keep a crowd or at least keep them on your side. What's he doing here? I mean, it could be argued that most of the people in the crowd, they, were, they could be like, hang on, what are you talking about, Peter? We didn't do those things at all. We handed Jesus over to be killed. It was the religious leaders who handed Jesus over to be killed. We disowned Jesus. Uh, Peter, just look at yourself for a minute. You were the guy who disowned Jesus, not us. You were, the, you were one of his followers. You were the one who didn't even... Um, confess that you were with him. You denied knowing him, and now you're saying we disown Jesus? What right do you have to tell us that? Uh, well, maybe we were asking for a murderer to be released. Mark 15, 11 makes it clear. It was the chief priests who stirred up the crowd to have us call for Barabbas to be released. It's the chief priests who need to bear responsibility, not us. We were just doing what they told us to do. Surely they're the guilty ones. And we didn't kill the author of life. Did you not know? We, we, we can't hang people on a cross. It's the Romans who do that. The Romans killed the author of life. Of course, Peter knew all that. Peter knew all that. But he also knew the truth that we all bear responsibility before God for our sin. We're all guilty. We can't pass the blame on to someone else. And we love to pass the blame on to someone else. We love to say, we don't need to be punished because we've not done it. Reminds me of the joke where the boy who goes to his teacher and he says, oh, teacher, um, is, it, is it right? It wouldn't be right for you to punish me for something that I've not done, would it? And the teacher says, oh, of course not. No, I'd, I wouldn't punish you for something that you've not done. And the boy says, oh, that's good because I've not done my homework. <laughs> if we protest our innocence and blame others, we're just doing what happened right at the start in the Garden of Eden. That's what happened right at the start. You remember when sin came into the world and God holds Adam responsible for, and says to Adam, what have you done? What have you done in eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And Adam says, no, 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 it wasn't me. It was my wife. It was this woman you, it was this woman you gave me. I think it was his words. Oh, okay, nice. <laughs> Bit of marriage counseling going on there the future. It's this woman you gave me. She tempted, she gave it me. And then she, and then Eve says, oh no, 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 it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It was the serpent. The serpent tempted me. It's the serpent's fault. We're all passing blame. Not my fault, their fault. 
Who does God hold responsible? Who does God punish? All of them. God has consequences and punishment for all of them, for the man, for the woman, for the serpent. God holds them all responsible. In his letter to the Romans, Paul makes the same point. The Jews had thought, we're not held accountable. We're okay because we're sons and daughters of Abraham. It's all fine. We don't need, we don't need to worry about sin. And Paul says, uh-uh, you've got no advantage. You've got no advantage. He says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He says in chapter 5, verse 12, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. He says, don't think that you're any better off. You need to repent and come to Jesus too. And we might think, how am I responsible for what Adam did? How am I responsible for what Adam did? He's, you know, he brought sin into the world. Why, why me? And Paul says, we're all affected and we're all responsible whether we like it or not. But we love to blame others. I mean, we're tired of this pandemic, aren't we? We're just tired of it. It's affecting everyone in many, many different ways all over the world. We want it to end, but how do you see all the blaming that's going on in different parts? You only have to go on social media for a few moments and read about it. There's blaming going on everywhere. Well, why are we at this position we're in? Oh, well, if it wasn't for the Chinese, if it wasn't for the Chinese who, who let this thing get out of control in the first place and maybe covered it up, or well, if it wasn't for our government, if our government didn't do this and make that decision, and, and you know, if they'd have only shut down the airports, if they'd have only done this, we wouldn't have been in this mess. Or well, if it wasn't for the people who don't wear masks, you know, the anti-maskers, or those people who have parties and card games, it's their fault. They're doing all that, and this is why we're in this mess. Or we might look and say, well, there must be something that the people in the Edmonston region or the Moncton region are doing wrong, because look at the number of cases that we've got, they've got, and we're okay, but now we're punished, being punished for them. Why are we stuck in the orange zone? Because they, oh, or, or the UK variant, the UK variant, what are the people, you people in the UK, for goodness sakes, we love to blame everyone else. We love to blame everyone else. Yet sin has affected us all. Paul says, he points out, maybe we, we didn't even knowingly do anything about it. Maybe the way that we are, maybe the way we behave, the things that we do are as a result of things that have happened to us. Sins committed against us. Some of us have had sins committed against us which have had a huge effect on us. But we're still held responsible by God for what we do. Peter says to the Israelites, I know you acted in ignorance. You did all these things. I know you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But you need to repent. We have to repent of things we might not even have realized were wrong before God revealed it to us. We have to repent of the things that we did in ignorance. We didn't know that the way we were living was an offense to a holy God. We thought we were just doing the best we could. We were living the way our teachers told us to live. We were living the way our parents brought us up. We were living the way that the, the TV or the movies or the internet model to us to live. It's not our fault. We're not to blame. The Bible says, yes, you are. Yes, you are. And we need to repent before God. 
And if we don't, Peter says, we'll be cut off from God and his people. It needs humility. We need to respond with humility. It's not easy. It's not easy to acknowledge our faults when we've done things that maybe others, it's obvious to them, it's often not obvious to us. We have to accept the truth of this first part of the gospel before we can receive Jesus. The Bible says Christ is a stumbling block. It's not just that Jesus is here and he's just going to bless us. He's a stumbling block. People trip over him. He's a, 1 Peter 8 says, uh, 2, 8 says he's a stone that causes people to stumble. He's a rock of offense. He's a rock of offense. Well, what's offensive about Jesus? He tells us to repent. He tells us to repent of the things that we didn't even think we'd done wrong. Yet if we can get over that offense, there's so much blessing. There's so much blessing. Peter says, repent so your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I mean, we need those times of refreshing, don't we? We just need those times of refreshing. It's one of the most wonderful things to be able to come into God's presence and receive from him, to know his love, to know his mercy, to know his forgiveness, to know the peace that he brings in our hearts, to know the joy of the Lord, to know the spirit indwelling within us, to be able to worship him and, and benefit from all of that. We're glorifying him, but we're, we're in the good of it ourselves. There's so many things we can receive from God as we're refreshed by him, as his Holy Spirit is poured out. You might think, well, Paul doesn't, Peter doesn't even talk about the Holy Spirit here. Well, I think this is what he's meaning. He, he doesn't explicitly mention the Holy Spirit, but he's talking about the refreshing that comes from God. That's the Holy Spirit. We've got access to the Holy Spirit in our lives. If we're thirsty, we can come and we can drink. When Jesus said that on the, uh, on, at the Feast of Tabernacles, he said, come to me all who are thirsty. He said, well, he's talking about the Spirit. It's not even been poured out yet because he's not been glorified. Now it has. Now Holy Spirit can be poured out in our lives. I'd encourage us all to press into God, seek him for what he wants to give us. These are difficult times, but he can bring us times of refreshing. I believe he's doing that even this morning. Whether we're here, whether we're online. We want him to refresh us. Holy Spirit, come. Come, refresh us now. Just refresh us with the truth, with your love. We can all get dry. We can all back off. It's just easy to back off. It's, you know, it's, we can't even see each other as much as we'd want. Let's just keep fanning it into flame. Let's keep calling on God for his spirit. Let's press into him. Be encouraged by him. That's what he wants us to do. So Peter uses this miracle that's just happened, this healing, and he points people away from them and to Jesus. And he makes people aware of their sin, and he urges them to repent, and he tells them of the grace and the mercy of God. He tells them the gospel, the good news, and he says there's a day coming when God's going to come and he's going to put everything right, everything. How encouraging is that? How encouraging is that? Let's get our hopes up. Let's get our hopes up. He's, he's going to make everything right. 
I mean, not everyone's going to respond well to the, to, to the message. We see, start of chapter 4. You know, the, the religious leaders, the priests, they come and seize Peter and John. They put them in prison. They put them in jail overnight. We're going to pick that up next time. There's no guarantees in this life that if we preach the gospel, it's going to go well with everyone. We're going to, Jesus said we're going to have opposition. We're going to have persecution. We're going to be persecuted for his name's sake. He said, you're blessed if you are. <laughs> Doesn't look like it, Jesus. <laughs> you're blessed if you are. You're blessed if you are. Because God's not left us. John wondered about that. John the Baptist, he was like, mm, Jesus, I'm in prison. I've proclaimed that you're the, the Messiah, the one to come, and now I'm in prison? Are you really the Messiah? Yeah. Look at what's happening. The gospel's going out. The lame are walking. People being healed. People being set free. And the gospel is going out. Yes. But I'm in prison. Well, it didn't get better for him. But the gospel went out gospel keeps advancing. Let's be encouraged this morning. So let's seek God for healing. Yeah, let's do it. Let's ask God to heal us. It's a sign of his kingdom. It is a blessing to us, but that's not where it stops. It's a sign and a wonder which accompanies the gospel. Maybe you're not even going to be the one who tells the whole gospel. Maybe you're going to give a testimony of healing at a meeting where someone else is going to speak the gospel. Who knows? But God's going to use you, and he's going to use what he's done in you to proclaim his truth. Tell people about it. Let them know that God is working and ask God to use you powerfully. And yes, there may be some opposition. There may be some persecution, but the gospel will keep advancing. And that's what he's called us to, to see his gospel advance in the world. And there's a day coming when it's all going to be made right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, why don't we stand together? I'm going to ask Angela and the band to come back. I'm just going to pray. So, Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you give us gifts. We thank you that you heal us, that you set us free from things. I pray, will you do that even more? I want to pray for everyone here who is sick, whether they're sick in body or in mind or spirit, everyone at home who's sick in body, mind or spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, just come and bring healing to these people right now. In Jesus' name we pray. We ask you for a sign of your kingdom advancing. I pray you'll confirm even the message that I've preached this morning. Confirm it with signs and wonders. This is not something for the past. This is for now. You are still at work, Lord. So I want to pray for healing. And I want to pray for stories of healing that are going to go far and wide. I want to pray for stories like that of Steve's mom where so many got saved. And he told that story to so many people who will have got saved. Thank you, God. Keep doing it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.